Atlantic City, New Jersey. It's the Quizzo Trivia Podcast with your hosts Nick and Drew. To participate, tweet us at Quizzo Podcast or send us an email at info at quizzopodcast.com. That's Q-U-I-Z-Z-O. Now, let's get to the show. It's one of the best of all time, dude. Big Lebowski. That's absolutely right. I can't tell you my absolute obsession with that movie, but it is absolutely one of the greatest movies of all time. So shout out to the Coen brothers for the Big Lebowski and everything they do. Yeah, I just had a new team come in two weeks ago. First time. Uh, the Dude. The Dude? So it's the live dude. and well, good as it always was. The Dude abides. It definitely holds up as well. So welcome to the Quizzo Trivia Podcast, everybody. My name is Drew. I am joined by Nick, as always, and we're here to give you... Up, everybody? A week's worth of review in the world of trivia, give you some clues if you are a Quizzo player, at least one of our Quizzo shows uh, the upcoming week, uh, give you some hints uh, for things that are going to be in upcoming games, and we'll talk about uh, the world around us from a trivia standpoint as well for this uh, very exciting podcast going into Memorial Day weekend 2017. So, Nick, usually I, I start off, uh, last week we started off with a guest, and I do want to retroactively thank Steve Bruner for being the first guest on the show um, and we will have many more guests to follow for sure uh, that are trivia relevant. Um, but I, I usually give you the first bit of uh, of trivia, and I wanted to turn the table this week and say you start it with what you want to talk about first, and we're going to go into All right, Nikki, so, um, Nikki Provolone's world. You know, it's one thing that's very important to me is uh, lately is diet, exercise, keeping in shape. Not th- sure I knew like that, that, but I'm glad. Oh, I okay. Did. <laughs> All right. Yeah, well, I, once I had kids, you know, about five sure. years ago, I sort of started shopping on my own, eating out less, and, you know, you see all these reports of, you know, we're having too much sugar in our diet, things like this, diabetes everywhere yeah, in the sure country, right? Sure, sure. All right, so I'll ask you this. In our lifetime, has life expectancy in the United States 
in the United States increased over or under five years? In our lifetime. In our lifetime. Hmm. So talking the last 30 years or so. Well, I read something very interesting recently that kind of broke down uh, expectancy based on region. So in certain places of the United States, life life expectancy has gotten much larger, but in other places has gotten much lower. So, All right, so that's true. You, so you've so, definitely seen that correctly. So so that's interesting. But this is overall for the whole country, if you had to weigh the total I'm, population. I'm going to go up. I'm going to say up then. So you're saying over five years? Yeah, I'm going to say over five years. Okay, I was shocked to see this. In, uh, we'll say 1980, right? Life expectancy was... 73.8 years, okay? Okay. We're up to 79.1 years. Wow. So, yeah, over. You hit it. Um, yeah, that's great. So, hey, we're still, you know, all the diabetes and all the obesity in the country, but we seem I, to I just still never, be living longer. I just could never understand. If you're, like, one of those people that's in one of those places, wouldn't you just move just for your odds? Well, that's like, <laughs> right, but <laughs> just like, like, I see these kids in Ethiopia, and leave. I'm like, why don't you guys just, like— Yeah, that's hard. Just go for really, a walk but north. There, but there's really nowhere to go. So, like, this is a different, this is a different <laughs> issue. If you're, in, if you're by, in Mississippi, by even the poorest tigers. person in Mississippi could eventually afford a car. Like you okay. could beg for enough money to buy a car <laughs> yeah, you and could get yourself out. You could hitchhike out of the right. deep south. I don't know. Maybe that's an ignorant point of view. But <laughs> who knows? Just trying to be funny, folks. All right. So that's actually interesting that you said that because this ties right into that. Uh, it has nothing to do with, um, with life expectancy per se, but it definitely has to do with unhealthy habits. Um, okay. and, and, you know, I think sugary drinks are one of the big things that – are, are a total Absolutely, epidemic. that I is mean, something I've completely knocked out. Guzzling down soda at enormous rates. I have a buddy, just... Devin, who, uh, I mean, the guy, he's always seemed like he's in good shape to me. I certainly can't beat him in tennis. Um, but he's probably, if I guess, like maybe about 6'3", something like that. Right. He quit drinking Gatorade. Okay. For, I want to say it was eight months or ten months. It wasn't even a year. And he lost like 18 pounds. Jeez. And all he did was stop drinking Gatorade. That's the only thing he did. And, just and meanwhile, and they're presenting that as right, a Here's health your health drink. drink. Yeah. Right, right. It's full tons of sugar. So <laughs> this drink is one of the most like, you know, fundamental drinks that I could think of growing up in my childhood. And they shoveled it down in every single circumstance I could think of. And when I learned what it was originally called, I just burst out laughing. So I'm going to ask you. Um, I don't know if I'll do the reverse of this. I'll probably do the reverse of this at Quizzo, but okay. do you have any guesses on the original name of Kool-Aid? Hmm. Which in itself is a pretty strange name by its it seems like it's just part of uh Well, I think know. it's playing off a of lemonade. Right. But it's, it's like, Kool-Aid. Right. It's Kool-Aid. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. It's sugar in your what's water. That, what's that giant pitcher that wrecks the house? Does that have a nickname? You know the Kool-Aid mascot? Take yeah, a yeah, picture yeah, of Kool Aid, and he like bursts through the door. That's that's one of my favorite moments of Family Guy history. They actually brought that joke back multiple different times. So they had him like the first time, and then I don't know five years later, uh, just wrecking the house. Yeah, there was some sort of like Back to the Future episode where they went back to that scene and they saw the Kool Aid guy like before he ran through the courtroom door, like smoking a cigarette behind, like contemplating his life. Okay, <laughs> all right. Was, oh, like why does everything get destroyed every time I come, right. come why around? Is, why is my whole life just going through walls? But uh, any any guesses? All right. Well, I will ask you this: it's, Is it's the word impossible. aid? Is the word aid no, in it? No. All right. And I'm gonna go with this. I'm gonna go with this. I just is figured it, I'd get something funny out is of it. Is it called sugar drink? <laughs> it's basically almost as bad. It's almost as bad as sugar drink. The original name for Kool Aid, folks, was fruit smack. Fruit smack. Okay. Fruit smack. All right. Fruit hey, smack. They were just like, no, no, no. The word fruit. 
Nobody wants to drink fruit. <laughs> right. Get, get, get right. that out there. But, and can we actually prove that there's any fruit in this? <laughs> right. It's just all sugar, but like Cool Smack is something else. So It's funny you brought that up because I just saw something recently uh, talking about the cereals that had the word sugar in it. Okay. And now they've taken it out. Like Sugar so, Smack. And okay. That's, that's, that's one, one of them. Of, right. All right. What about uh, you know, Frosted sugar Flakes combs. used to be called Sugar Flakes. I did not. And then they went with – right. Okay. How about this one? Corn Pops. Okay. Used to be sugar pops. I like that too. Yeah. So once uh, the negative sugar connotations of sugar goes yeah, out, yeah, they started changing the names of all these cereals. Makes sense. Um, all right. So that that's uh, little little interesting tidbits about the uh, origins of Kool Aid. So if you if you were alive to buy Fruit Smack as a kid, you know, feel free to tweet us at uh, quizopodcast.com. dot um, I have another very interesting thing for you in the world of general knowledge. Okay, great. Um, you know, we had a question very recently about uh, one of my favorite beer brands, which is uh, Dos Equis. And uh, you, of course, remember their their uh, quintessential marketing campaign, right? Oh, it's one of my favorites of all time. I'll give you my favorite one. Okay. Okay. We're, t- of course, talking about the most interesting man yeah, in the world. We are. We're right. talking about the most interesting man in the world. The my Dos my favorite one campaign. is, was, when in Rome... They do as he does. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the great. It's fantastic. I think it's one of the most genius campaigns ever. Uh, and, yeah, without you know, a doubt. They, they present him like what? So where would you think he is from? Like where do they present him as being from? The most interesting man in the world. Well, hmm. I think they present him as being from maybe South America or. Right, it's hard to even tell, right? Like I think Dos Equis itself like, is a is it a Mexican beer, right? I yeah, think it's Mexican. But they've so. never ever at least. But you could see him being yeah, Argentinan. Sort of you could yeah. see him being Latin, Spanish. Latin, could, if yeah. I told you he was Italian, you you know, it's like hard to even know. Maybe he's more Mediterranean than Italian. But it's it, one of the things that I found completely interesting. Like he could be European, right? Right. He's kind of got this ambiguous. Do you have any idea who plays the most interesting man in the world and what his name is and where he is from? All right. I have no idea what his name is. Um, like where but he looks like I, you know, I could see him being from Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> Born in New York City, New York in 1938, <laughs> Jonathan Goldsmith is the Jonathan most interesting Goldsmith. man in the world. And he currently lives in uh, Manchester, Vermont. So if you're ever wandering around Vermont... And you, you could see, actually run into the, run most, into the most interesting man, man in the world. world who's there. And he worked... He's been an actor since the 60s, Nick. He was on, like, Perry Mason in the 60s for a brief time and, uh, you know, has been around forever. But this What's was when he again? was Jonathan Goldsmith. All right, I got to see if he's from uh, Brooklyn. If I nailed it. Well, it says New York City, New York is where he was born. So I don't know what uh, uh, what borough. But, uh, yeah, so he did the Dos Equis from 2006 to 2016. So 10 years is the most interesting man in the world before they retired. That Now they have, like, the younger version of him. From his early days, okay, very little about him. Yep, early on, couldn't find him. Close enough. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's that's dead on. I also went to. Uh, that reminds me of uh, Hagen Dazs ice cream. Yeah, you seen this before? Uh, that like, it's yeah. fake. Yeah, it's, it's just, <laughs> just it's a, a made up name. Made up name. Yeah, they're just passing that off as some kind of European. What's the most Dutch sounding name we can come up with? Hagen Dazs. <laughs> Sounds delicious. That's fantastic. <laughs> I want some immediately. I forget where that's made, but it's yeah. not from. Uh, it's well, not from... So, so now you know the real truth on the most interesting man in the world from Dos Equis. What else do you got for me in the way of uh, general knowledge stuff, Nick? All right, I like this because it could definitely spurn on some conversation about uh, different time periods and things that have happened. But uh, okay. anyway, it's all this. Very interesting. In the past year, what baby name 
has plummeted in popularity more than any other in the U.S. In the past year, what baby name has plummeted in popularity more than any other in the U.S.? I know the answer to it. Okay, you saw it? I didn't see it, but I, I think I know the answer to it because it was a it was a throwaway comment on a Stern show last week. Okay. Um, but I think it's Caitlin. Yes. Yeah. Plummeting in popularity, Caitlin. Yeah. So it got me thinking, what are some other times in history where names have, I mean, obviously Adolf in the 40s. There's no question. <laughs> I had to take a big hit. I, I was actually saving this one for geography history because this conversation, I had this conversation laid out in geography history. It's very strange how this comes up at the same time. I think it was probably the Caitlin conversation I heard on Stern that got yeah, me thinking. Yeah, I had actually I, seen this a couple of weeks ago, and then Stern went to so it, and I didn't get to it fast enough. Who, who was the emperor? I mean, obviously, the the powers of uh, Germany, Italy, and Japan that fought against us in World War II had very dominant personalities, and Adolf is certainly a name that you would stay away from at all costs, especially with the connotations that it has. Yeah, I don't think Benito, you know, was, big Benito in, exactly. was big in Italy. <laughs> but, but here's what's interesting. So who was the third prong of that? Who was the leader of the Japanese uh, movement, so to speak? I mean, more militarily than anything else. Okay. Uh, militarily? So but, not the emperor well, no, of Japan. Well, no, no, no. So, so the prime minister, but not the emperor, because they were, you know, the prime minister was the, uh, you know, uh, the official uh, head. He was sort of the Hitler uh, versus right, the emperor, who was more of an inherited position. Was it Hirohito? Nope. Okay. It's Hideki Tojo. Oh, no chance. So, but it's funny to me Didn't because... did he pitch for the Yankees? Well, that's exactly the first thought I had is, boy, you never see the name Hideki going down in person uh, <laughs> popularity. People went right with that. Like, nobody, oh, yeah, they probably no, Nobody's thinking, oh, him, there's, yeah. the, there's the Hitler of Japan, Hideki Tojo. I say that name, and it's like, damn, that's a cool-sounding name. Right, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? But there's... The guy committed insane atrocities. Didn't, didn't they make a show on one of these channels that I don't watch about uh, the Hitlers? Oh, that there's like modern day. People oh yeah, there's with the last people that have Hitler. kept the last name Hitler, yeah, and it like follows around these families and what their life is like with the last name Hitler. It's, it can't be good. <laughs> yeah, I've, ne- I've never seen it. I would. This kind of show I should watch. If somebody like thirty sh- minutes. If, if somebody of, shows just, uh, up and laugh, it's like but... they're they're filling an ad to babysit your kid, and you find out their last name is Hitler. Are you no, gonna they're not babysitting that? the kid no. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not going to happen. No, that's just you got to change your name. I mean, right. it's just okay. Get rid of it. It's okay. You know, it's not that big of a deal. No, that, that's just what I'm saying. Change but, your last name does, to Johnson. It, it, it does not seem to be affecting the Hideki's of the world because it seems like a very popular name. Tons of ball players named Hideki. You know yeah. that that stuck. So uh, interesting one there. But yeah, yeah. So Caitlin, and, and as far as the conversation goes, you so know, I'll ask you. I mean, Caitlin. That's a bummer. I, would Would you name your kid Caitlin at this no, point? No, no, me neither. I wouldn't, and it's. But I was never going to anyway. But so. I do know Caitlyn, and it doesn't necessarily no, make me think. But that, but that's that the thing. I, I don't w- think of Caitlyn every time. I wouldn't but. not name my kid Caitlyn because of the situation with Bruce Jenner becoming Caitlyn Jenner, which I think is fine. Like the, there's nothing wrong with that, and it doesn't do anything to society that people should be abandoning the name Caitlyn. But I didn't like the name Caitlyn to begin with, so I All wasn't right. going to well. use that name. No matter, I'm uh, not going to have more kids. That's let's start with that one. I don't want more kids. I have a. That's, I did, that's I a did brave. Good. That's a brave statement to make. Oh, but um, man, you know. All right, so love my daughter, but I'm, any spots you see where the names take off in popularity? Uh, one I was thinking of was uh, around here locally. Was a lot of Phillies fans. And they had, you know, a handsome second baseman that Chase. brought the first World Series home. Yeah, there is chases running around all, all over, over the, the place. Well, it's actually funny, dude, that you that you said this because, and I'm going to call you dude the rest of the show because of the Lebowski. It's funny, mm-hmm. dude. No, um, 
but the I, I ran into at the zoo um, in Florida, maybe, I don't know, about three months ago, I was down there on vacation, and this woman yells out to this little girl, Khaleesi, Khaleesi, come here. No way. Swear to God. So I asked her, I said, is your daughter's name Khaleesi? And she goes, yes. And I was like, it's a Game of Thrones reference. And she's like, what? Wait, she didn't realize? Isn't Khaleesi a made-up name? It's a Dothraki for queen, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's totally she made up. <laughs> no idea what the name came from. Not hmm. a clue. So, like, maybe it was her husband or her, you know, oh, her man, you know that what? Had, that was a fan of the show that came You know up what? With he might have never told her because right. if she found out where it's from, where it's from she, she never would have gone for she it. She just said she likes it. Yeah. You know, but this little girl was about four years old, this little blonde girl named Khaleesi. So you're going to start running. There is inevitably going to be a situation where there's a Tyrion and a Khaleesi dating and, <laughs> and you know, stuff along those lines. And it all comes from fiction uh, made up from uh, George R. R. Martin's head. And oh, that, man, that's that reminds me of another name. I wonder name. how many Khaleesis there are. Remember, remember the name Wendy? That was first popularized in um, – Peter uh, Pan? Peter Pan. Okay. Right. It, it was used before. It has existed before. I did a little bit of Snopes research on that. It had existed before Peter Pan, but it became very popular because of Peter Pan and its use in that. Um, so was Wendy from Burger fame named after <laughs> Wendy from Peter Pan? I don't know how close those are in history. but We'll have to ask. We're possible. not asking Dave. I can tell you that. That's for sure. No. All right. Uh, Chase Utley is a perfect segue into sports. Usually our, our beefiest topics uh, of the week because we're huge sports fans and we just love talking sports. But... Also, from a practical standpoint, well, I've, been, I've been trying to keep it light for sports because you know you said after the first one that the complaint was it was too heavy on sports. Meanwhile, still every week I run into a team that does great, but doesn't have a sports, sports guy. And that's and that was going to be my point, and... which is the more help we can give you on sports, folks, the more it's going to help your team. So, you know, I, I do think we should be crafting our game to do maximum uh, benefit for multiple choice, true, false, give people a chance. I mean, sports is a hard thing unless you are hugely dedicated to it, um, especially when you've been writing trivia for well over a decade. Finding new stuff every single week uh, is a challenge. So you have to kind of come up with stuff that's, uh, you know, bordering between easy and and, uh, and uh, difficult. So um, I have tons of stuff to get to in sports and a lot of really, really interesting stuff. But um, you saw that the L.A. Stadium project is delayed a year because of uh, record rainfall in California. So Super Bowl, uh, the Super Bowl that was going to be held in 2021 is moving to Tampa. And the Super Bowl that was going to be held in 2022 in Tampa is going to be in L.A. instead when they get the new stadium built. But do you, fair. do you know where the Los Angeles Chargers are going to be playing their games this year? Mm, I think I saw that it's – is it like in a desert soccer field or something? <laughs> I mean, it really sounded grim. Yes, they'll, they'll be playing Are they playing at the airport airstrip, right? in, uh, that we went to that one time when we didn't fly into L.A.? And it was like no, an but hour outside? Uh, they, they're actually going to be Palm playing Springs? in a 30,000-seat arena called the StubHub Center, which is a beautiful arena. 30,000? 30,000 seats, but it oh is partitioned God. for soccer. And I wondered if Oh, so you, I was right. Yes, was and I wondered field. if I you knew what team is home at the StubHub Center. Who plays there? Are they called the L.A. Galaxy? They are. Okay. They're called the L.A. Galaxy. So they're the most famous team Wasn't in Beckham Major League. Yes. On that team? It's the team that David Beckham played for. It's the most famous team in Major League Soccer history. They won five titles. Uh, they're the, you know. With Beckham? Uh, they won a bunch with Beckham. Wow. Yep. And Robbie Keane. It's amazing because I had no idea he had any success in soccer in the U.S. Yeah, Robbie Keane was a big part of that, too, who was an Irish national. one of the all-time leading scorers in Irish uh, national soccer play history. Robbie Keane. 
Keen, okay. Yeah, he's, he's a very, very good player. So I know part of the show is educating Nick about soccer because he could care less. <laughs> teaching him thing. But it's interesting that they're going to be playing. Once, and, and once I think every it's, four years. But. I do think it's actually a huge advantage because even though the stadium doesn't hold a huge amount, the, the fans are on top of you at this place. It's a very intense uh, arena, whereas you know the, uh, the, the other stadium that's in L.A., the Coliseum is completely spread right, out. It's, it's hard huge. for me to even it's picture like, an NFL football game in a 30. Have you ever been to the one in Philadelphia that's right over the bridge? Uh, so right over the Barry Bridge is where the Philadelphia Union play. And it's it's got this like twenty three thousand seat stadium on the water. It's gorgeous. No, it's absolutely I, I gorgeous. That that's there. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, hmm. But so that's that's about uh, the the size of it. So it's called the StubHub Center in the Galaxy. Play there, you'll definitely see that in an upcoming quiz. Man, StubHub can't get a better stadium than the LA Galaxy Center. You would think StubHub would have one of the like you know, I don't know, four major pro sports. Yeah, at this well, point, that's uh, I think. I wonder if that's the only StubHub. You know how there's like American Airlines Arena, sure, and then there's the American Airlines Center, and then I wonder if right. StubHub the, has more there, than there's just the that. StubHub Center and the StubHub I, Arena. Yeah, they got to the be doing better than just the LA Galaxy at this point. Yeah, I mean, a half, lot the, of, lot of half the tickets, tickets I've bought in the last ten years uh, come from those them, guys for made sure. made a few bucks on. So, so this is actually an interesting segue. Um, that's kind of a hint within a hint right there. But um, in 1979, there was a West Coast team that became the first in NFL history. I found this very interesting. The first in NFL history to have more passing plays than running plays in a year. Uh, what year was it? 79. It took until the set late 70s, 1979, before a single team threw more than ran more in a year. Jeez, I wonder if there was a team that ran more than threw more this year. Like, I think of the Cowboys, who had so much success running the ball. I wonder what their spread was as far as running It's interesting, passing. right? You know, because you want to talk about the evolution of a passing league. I think you can actually point to this year, this specific year, this specific coach, and this specific offense. All right, so I'll say the 49ers. It's, right, that's what I assume everybody's going to put, and that's why I gave the hint of West Coast team. But it's 79. So if you think about it— Well, it was before Montana. Right, Montana was still in college. So it was right before. I think it was. So Walsh wasn't there right yet in. either. Uh, well, Walsh might have been there, but the Niners. Oh, weren't the I, Niners. I, it was the Chargers. It was because they had fouls. It was the San Diego Chargers, and they had a um, uh, a, a tremendous uh, offense with Dan Fouts, but also a um, a really uh, genius offensive play caller, uh, caller named Don Coriel. Yeah, and, didn't they have stars at wideout also? Sure, uh, absolutely. I mean, they, all over the place uh, and, and a strong defense, but they're the first team ever to throw more than run more in a given football year, and uh, they started the trend. Now, the Coriel offense is what you know is basically the air raid offense, so that started a massive shift in NFL away from what was traditionally a uh, you know run-based offense, uh, the, you know, the Perkins-Earhart uh, offense, which is what the Patriots, uh, Earhart-Perkins offense, I should say, which is what the Patriots run, to this wide-open offense, and then Bill Walsh came in, morphed the two, and created the West Coast offense. Okay. So so we were lucky. We grew up in the 80s with the West Coast offense. We had to, what, run and shoot right. offense. Which, Much more exciting than which is, Which is definitely an Air Coriel-style uh, offense, the run and shoot. So little little history of uh, NFL play calling and, and uh, offenses. Um, I want to switch um, subjects before I, I do one NFL thing and give you one more sports thing. Uh, that I think was interesting that I didn't even know the answer to, and I'm a huge sports fan, uh, a huge golf fan. Do you know what is considered the perfect score in golf on a on a 72 uh, par course? The perfect score. The perfect score. I don't. What would you I, have to shoot for a perfect score? Because I think everybody knows what bowling is, right? 300. 
Okay, yeah, but golf doesn't really work like that. Well, it does if you go based on par. So, in other words, if in the 72 par course, what yeah, would so, be considered I mean, a par if par is 72? Mm-hmm. Are you saying if you if you birdied every hole? That's right. Okay. So if you a perfect score every is hole, considered birdie so every hole. 54. 54. Yep, that's considered okay. the perfect score. It's never but been then done. Why, right, but why can't you get eagle on the par 5s that you can reach? I mean, that You can do better than that, but the perfect score of you know what's considered the, the okay. pinnacle of a perfect score. All right, so you can make par on one hole and then eagle another and make up for it and still get the perfect score. Sure, you don't okay. have to hit birdie every single hole. I've but never you, heard that term before. But if you hit, yeah, I didn't either. But if you hit fifty-four out of seventy-two, it's considered a perfect score in golf. No one's ever done it. So I think the lowest score is professional, at least. Somebody hit nine in a row once. Yeah, um, hit nine birdies in a row to start a tournament or something like that. I, I think was fifty-eight is the lowest ever. And you know, of course, or the, the origin sure. of the There's a bunch of 59s. Word. I'm not sure. Did Furyk shoot a 58? He might have. I remember that record coming. We'll have to look into it. But definitely expect some golf record questions when it comes to low scores. It's actually funny because the term birdie, I don't know if we've ever discussed this on the podcast, but it was no. born right here in Atlantic City. Atlantic City Country Club. At the Atlantic City Country Club. I looked up the, the origin of the story, and apparently what happened okay. was on this one of, uh, you know, par five, the first shot. Uh, of this guy named uh, Abe Smith hit a bird, literally hit a bird, right? And then landed. His second shot got within, you know, boom, one foot of the cup, okay? All right. And they said, Abe, that was a bird of a shot. Okay. So he finished it He finished it one, one stroke under, and that's how the term a bird of a shot turned into birdie. And because, you know, Atlantic City – was kind of a hub where people came from Philly, came from New York, came from all different places. The term spread. So uh, in eighteen ninety eight, that's uh, that's when that happened. So all right, so yeah, it was uh, fifty eight by Furyk. Okay, so there you At go. The Travelers Championship. All right, so what do you got for me in the way of sports, Nick? Outside of uh... well, does the does the uh, name Greeny mean anything to you in the world of sports? It does. It, it's the name Mike Greenberg. Yes. Mike Greenberg. Of Mike and Mike, Mike and radio Mike fame. Yes, who I'm a big fan of. I like both those guys very much. I've I always do too. liked their show. I'm sad to see they're uh, breaking up. Yeah. Uh, after They've been tw- together since, what, 99? Yeah, 19 years, something like that. It's a okay, long time. You know, it's sort of like when Mike and the Mad Dog broke up. I mean, radio partnerships, it's hard to, well, <laughs> hard to make them last. Even just going back a few years ago, I feel like ESPN has just lost everybody or everything that I – Listen to even three, four years ago. I just I don't know what the strategy is over there or what they're doing. But it's a completely different enemy. But you want to hear the craziest thing about the Mike and Mike story, right? So Mike Greenberg's leaving. Our favorite thing is what would you say that the band Fish? Okay, so who, definitely who, who's, who's the core of Fish? Would you Trey. say? All right, and, and after Trey, it's Trey and who? Who would you say? Jeez, how do you choose between Paige and Mike? You don't, but you say Trey and Mike is kind of a name that you hear together, Trey and okay. Mike, all the time. All right. Well, guess who's replacing Mike? Oh, Greenberg? Trey Wingo? So it's Trey and Mike on the Trey radio. Trey and Mike, okay, there you go. <laughs> so, so, all right, so Wingo will be working with Golik. Yes, it's going to be Wingo and Golik. So it'll be Trey and Mike and Trey and Mike. And they're going to st- stick around in the mornings? Yes. All right, that, I'll have to give that a listen. Yeah, I like Wingo. Yeah. So he's interesting enough, you know what I mean? All right, um, speaking of broadcasting and... Of that part, what uh, two quarterbacks that were preseason starters last year mm. will now be in the broadcast booth? Oh, that's easy. So obviously, the first is uh, Tony Romo, sure, uh, who's going to be the Dallas Cowboys uh, former uh, quarterback, uh, now the number one color guy for CBS. So taking over 
uh, Phil Sims? Sims' role, who's going to be back in the studio. I think they're moving him around or something. Um, and the second is Flamin' Jay Cutler. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I don't know that that's Jay, ever been his Jay name. Jay <laughs> Screaming Jay Cutler. Screaming Jay. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going. Howling Jay Cutler, uh, but but uh, he is uh, hired by Fox to be an analyst, and you know he seems like he doesn't have the personality for it. But from everything I hear, uh, that's actually just our perception of it. We don't really know what he's like, and in the huddle and all those types of things, he's got a more dynamic. Well, nobody can pout on the sideline. Oh, the way just, Jay no Cutler can, can look pout less on the interested sideline. in being in a football game than Jay Cutler. But, you know, he is the Bears' all-time leading passer. Uh, he never wins anything in the postseason. I think that's but, more of a testament know. of the Bears. Yeah, it's uh, what are you going to say? But I think in, in terms of uh, color commentary, he offers an interesting uh, aspect uh, of, of pointing out various I mean, this whole the story, uh, the way it all unfolded to me, was just definitely the tale of two different stories. When I found out that Romo retired, I just, my jaw dropped. I, I can't believe that he is ready to call it quits with as much talent as he still has and what his legacy is going to be as far as just blowing the big games in the postseason. Yeah, but the thing is, I think everybody forgot how he had t- a complete inability to stay healthy. The guy doesn't stay upright, so it's he's taken a beating. He's broken his collarbone multiple times over the course. His back is killing surgeries, like the dude's not going to stay upright. No, he wouldn't. He wasn't staying upright behind that offensive line. So wherever he goes, it's going to be less of an offensive line than he had there, and he couldn't stay upright there. So I, I just think and now that Jay Cutler uh, to me is a guy who just seemed like he wasn't interested in being the quarterback well, anymore, which is clearly he met the case with the, he met with the Jets. There really aren't a lot of starting options for him. He's not going to Cleveland. He's not going to go be a backup for three million dollars like Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know the cycle of Fitzpatrick continues. By the way, did you see he got picked up finally? Oh, <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> so he he is now the backup quarterback that Jameis Winston on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Okay. So the cycle of Fitzpatrick, for those of you unfamiliar with the former Jets quarterback, is this. Okay, he gets signed as a backup to a team. Their starter gets injured. He goes in. He plays very well. He's on a one-year deal like he always is on a one-year deal. He then gets signed to be the starter on a different team desperate for a quarterback who saw how well he played. For three games. Right, for three games. He gets signed. Makes a bunch of money. He starts. He plays well. He gets a huge contract (laughs) and then becomes the worst quarterback in football, gets cut, doesn't live up to the contract, then gets signed as a backup to an established QB. I don't know that he's got another one of those whole cycles left in him, though. six times already. Yeah, but it just seems like there's – I don't know that he's He's got that many cycles. He's only 34, and Josh McCown just got picked up at 39. Yeah, I just hope for Winston's sake that the cycle ends here. You can't be happy if you're the starting quarterback and they bring him in as the backup. No, you would hope he never sees the field if you're a Tampa Bay fan. But it is good insurance because you didn't know who the backup was in Tampa Bay. They didn't have anybody. And if anything, uh, Fitzpatrick is known for being a smart guy. He's got the highest Wonderlick score ever in the history of uh, the Wonderlick exam. Went to Harvard. Everyone knows he went to Harvard. Everybody starts every interview with him. As, so tell us about your time at Harvard. But All right, uh, let's get off football and switch to some baseball here. Okay. Let me see if you saw this. Uh, who became the second pitcher in the modern era? to record double-digit strikeouts in eight consecutive games. Now, this is a current streak. Is it Scherzer? No, it's Chris Sale. Oh, Chris Sale. Okay, yep. And he shot it whose record he tied. 
Think no. of a pitcher double digit eight straight. Yeah, I would. I would say somebody like maybe a Randy Johnson would be, or a Pedro Martinez. Pedro Martinez, they be the first go. two that came to mind. Yeah, because yeah. Martinez was so uh, fellow Red Sox. <laughs> yep. uh, now the only two that have ever had double digit strikeouts. I love eight that straight. Pedro had like a mini Pedro that used to hang out with him. He had this like little guy who used to dress in his uniform and hang out. Have you ever seen pictures of mini Pedro? No. Oh my god. Yeah, so there's Mini Pedro for you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Reminds me of uh, Kid Rock. Didn't he have yeah, a yeah, guy yeah. that used to? I, I forgot. It was Joe C? Yeah, yeah. Like sounds yeah, right. I think that was his name. Yeah, absolutely. So. I know. The greatest was when Pedro just dropped Don Zimmer. <laughs> Zimmer charged him out of the dugout. Body slammed Don and, Zimmer. You know what the funniest thing like about that was? He was like 75 years old at the time. Well, I remember exactly where I was watching that live. Okay. And I didn't think it was going to go down like that because Zimmer looks like he's got 100 pounds on Pedro. Easy. I always think of Pedro as being this skinny guy. Yeah, and Zimmer when, came and out Zimmer like a house of fire. full charged him. <laughs> Pedro <laughs> dropped him. That was, that was the great. Best. <laughs> Pedro weighs 175 pounds soaking wet. Yeah, and Zimmer's just been eating cheeseburgers for 25 years on the bench, and uh, Pedro dropped him like it was nothing. Oh, my God. It's ridiculous. Uh, all right, what else you got in sports? Because I'm done with uh, with my stuff. We can move on to geography history. Well, this isn't the best trivia question necessarily, but it's a talking point. Did you see who won the Preakness? I did. I saw that it wasn't uh, always dreaming. Who was obviously right. the Derby so the, winner. So you had a new triple, uh, crown. triple crown is dead for it's the dead. year, which is which is good. Um, I do remember it was one of the favorites for the Derby that that lost, it, or, or no. at least no, no, that was uh, who came in second. Yes. Yeah, yeah, War yes. Admiral, right? Was no, it like that? Um, or, uh, Empire, Empire, Classic, Classic Empire. That's yeah. right. Yeah, I am terrible with horse names, but that's okay. No, it's actually a horse called Cloud Computing. Cloud the Computing. The two horse, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yep. so I'm at a. An event. I had my my cousin got married on Friday, so I literally had a family event every single day since the last time I saw you. Um, so we're all watching the the Preakness, and everybody's got their tickets out. And one person who bets numbers was the only person that had cloud computing, the number two horse. And I think the thing that does it is this horse didn't run in the Derby, right? So what's going on with the qualification? How is this horse good enough? Qualify for the Preakness and but not win the, it. and win it but and not literally the derby. ran down Classic Empire, blew away the horse that won the Derby make in a lot one of, of the great races I've watched in a while. I don't know if you saw it, but yeah, I mean, it, it was neck and neck down the stretch, just a great run. And I mean, here comes the two horse. You think it's going to die, and yeah, just like took a breath, picked up, and, and then like, sprinted boom. to the end. That's what makes it exciting. Great race. I mean, literally. But I don't know uh, how how are you qualifying for the Preakness, not for the Derby. It's and interesting it's like to look into. There's twenty horses sure. in the Derby. Right. You know, half of them can't win it. Yeah. You know, it's just I like to see a, a more. I think it's just because it's harder to bet. So let's sure. just hold some horses, <laughs> don't let them run, and then everybody throws all this money on always dreaming. In their trifecta, and of course, here and comes a horse you've never even seen run against these guys. And right, and out of sight, out of mind. You know what I mean? So the, sure. the easiest thing to do is to... Uh, right, I watched the Derby. I've seen these three horses can run. Right, you know, I, don't, I, don't I don't know, know anything about Cloud Computing. It has computing. a terrible name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, yeah, and it's nothing, nothing worse than a technical name like that. And it you know, runs the best like, race here, I've seen Here's my horse, so CD-ROM. So, I was... Uh, I enjoyed watching the Preakness. It was a great race, but man, it always shocks me when it's a bummer though for you know always for the third race in the Triple Crown when there isn't a horse going into it with with a chance to win. Just well, it definitely it so gets less, less publicity. Yeah. But I think for uh, gamblers, I like the Belmont is my favorite race. To sure, bet. and now always dreaming will be an afterthought and could very well come back and and play strong in. Yeah, it's uh, sort of what's like a, like the Derby to me is the hardest to bet because. 
you haven't seen them against each other and at that distance. Sure. And plus there's 20 horses. The Preakness is hard to win because the odds are terrible because the favorites have such low odds. Oh, yeah. Then to me, the Belmont is where you can actually make some money because you're running a, a distance race. It's not a sprint like the other two. No question. So it's like betting a, a track star at the 200 to win at the 1600. Yep. So Yeah, makes sense. Uh, looking well. forward to the Belmont in three weeks. All right, let's move on to some geography history. We'll do entertainment and uh, what else we have to cover for the week before we get out of here on a holiday week. Um, uh, I had tons of interesting things. I mean, one of the, the things I was going to bring up was the Hideki Tojo and just the the marvel that uh, the name has not uh, died out in popularity. But, um, you know, there was something interesting that I thought uh, that I saw uh, that, I, I you know, I don't know what my read on of, of the number of teams that are going to get this wrong, but my sense is people generally have absolutely no idea when certain major historical figures, and I mean major names in history, lived. They have no clue. Yeah, okay. All so, right. So I'm testing this theory this week, and it's something I, I expect you to get right, but maybe not. I, I like, hope we'll so. see, But who came first, Cleopatra or Alexander the Great? Uh, this I definitely know. Okay. It's got to be Alexander the Great. That's correct. Okay. Ale- uh, Cleopatra is actually comes from the Alexander's dynasty. Right. She comes from the Ptolemy dynasty, which was one of the generals that let was uh, awarded – Egypt after Alexander died. But like as you say that, I could one hundred percent see people not knowing who came from right Cleopatra because I think people think of Cleopatra and they think ancient Egypt. They they have a sense of her as sort of right. this ancient yeah, that Egyptian makes sense. You're right, that could ancient have been three thousand years old. But she wasn't. She was Greek. She was just the last one that actually spoke Egyptian as well. But what happened was Alexander died, and then his generals split up his empire between them, and one of them was this general Ptolemy. And he ruled Egypt, and she came from that dynasty, from the Ptolemy dynasty, and she was the last one that lost control before the Romans took over. Right. So she was just trying to basically get alliances and marriages that would solidify her rule on Egypt uh, before she lost to the Roman invasion. So, All right, so I'll give everybody a great way to remember how old Alexander the Great is. Okay. All right, so think of how old Socrates is. Okay. All right, so who— was uh, Socrates had a somebody he mentored? So the the correct order is because people get this wrong all the time. Um, is uh, Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, right? Okay? And then Aristotle tutored Alexander. The tutored Great, Alexander. Right? So, so if Socrates, you think of how old Socrates is, correct? He's only what three generations away from not even. So, so like yeah. uh, so um, Socrates. What's interesting about Socrates, it's a whole other conversation, but he never wrote anything down. He he was a philosopher, but he didn't write books. He wasn't prolific in writing. He just basically his students wrote everything he taught down, right? right? So Plato was the opposite. Plato and Aristotle were insanely pro- prolific writers. Mm-hmm. They wrote tons of different stuff. It's still um, required reading today. Uh, right. A- absolutely. The Republic. I mean, there's a lot yep. of different things you could sink your teeth into with, with them. And then Aristotle was kind of more like a – a jack of all trades, but he was Macedonian and he came down to study in Plato's Academy. So he wasn't Greek. He was Macedonian. And that's when he eventually went back to tutor uh, Alexander the Great for his father, King Philip, who was the the head of the Macedonian Empire, who was the one who started uh, the campaigns that Alexander would eventually uh, finish off. So interesting stuff uh, to get you some, some history perspective there. But 
you know, I always find it remarkable when you ask people like, you know, when did Genghis Khan live? And you have like people have him in the 1700s <laughs> you know, rolling around. Uh, it's just fantastic stuff. Um, so what, you throw one at me. I got one more for you. That's uh, that's kind of interesting. All right. So I thought this was great when I saw it just because I've known about this for pretty much my whole life. But I didn't really know about it. So anyway, we just had the uh, just had an anniversary. I guess I'll give you the event. You tell me how many years, okay? Okay. Uh, the first solo flight across the Atlantic. So I think that happened in thirty six or thirty seven, somewhere in that range. Okay, so it was twenty seven. Oh, twenty seven. Okay, that's right. No, thirty seven was when Amelia Earhart disappeared on a solo flight in the Pacific. Okay, easy so, enough yeah, to yeah, get yeah. those so, confused. So, so ten years earlier, so twenty seven. So Lindbergh, right? All right. So Lindbergh, yep he uh, he flew to Paris. On uh, May 20th, 1927. So mm-hmm. we just had the 90-year. Uh, so actually – now, you know he was made Time Magazine Man of the Year I for do. this? Yep. Okay. So I, I've always thought this this was the most overrated achievement. Okay. Because it's like, what's the big deal? You're, you're flying like, – I mean, we have pilots that fly across right. the Atlantic all the time. I mean, yeah, yeah. what is it to fly to Paris? I've done it. What is it, six hours? You no, know? because of how long it took. Right. <laughs> Their planes didn't go like our planes go. No. So I looked at it. He was carrying 450 gallons of fuel. Holy okay, Christ. that had to be strained repeatedly to av- to avoid the uh, fuel lines getting blocked. Okay, yeah, that's... he fought everything from storms at 10,000 feet to waves that were flying that were crashing at 10 feet. <laughs> I, know, I know this is crazy. Any idea? I mean, I'll give it to you within, we'll say six hours because that's how long it takes now. But well, so I have, I have a little bit of perspective on this because uh, at my, my parents' house in South Florida, there's this uh, old poster framed that says, you know, travel our brand new airplanes and go from New York to Miami Beach in only 10 hours. Right. And that's an okay. hour. That's an hour and 40 minute flight now. OK. So I'm figuring everything is 20 percent of what it used to be. OK. Right. So I'm saying if a flight to Europe now is eight hours. Right. Uh huh. It would be 36 to 40. Yeah, I mean, you, you're all over. It was 33 and a half hours. <laughs> there you go. By yourself. No flying over waves, <laughs> right. fighting storms, and it, it gets even better. He landed, okay, okay, seven miles north of the city, okay, okay. So you're thinking to yourself, all right, so you just throw on the radar, sure, and you follow the beep, right? No, this guy had a map. Oh, that's good. Okay, he had a map, and the place he landed wasn't even on his map. <laughs> he just knew it was seven miles north of the city. So, the last fact that I thought was great about this, it's unbelievable. It, Caused what they call the largest traffic jam in the history of Paris. A hundred and fifty thousand people rushed the field to try when to he see landed. It. Wow! Yeah, to celebrate. So, oh uh, man, I mean, something that I've always just heard about was like, oh, big deal, big, big deal. deal. We're doing that all the time now. Yeah. Now well, uh, that's why he became Time Magazine's first man of the year. It's funny. This is going to follow up uh, last week's podcast when we talked about uh, Teddy Roosevelt getting shot. I did a little bit more research on that because that story was fascinating. Yeah. Turns out it's not overrated at all. The guy got shot at point blank range in his chest. What saved his life is his physical speech was rolled up tightly and he kept it in his chest pocket. And the bullet went through that and then got him. 
but he was bleeding straight out of the chest and then delivered the speech and even said it'll take more than a single bullet to stop this bull moose. <laughs> wow. Now, now here's the best part about this story, okay? We laughed about the fact that it was in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, right? Mm-hmm. They might have had a few beers afterwards. Right. Guess who shot Teddy Roosevelt? No idea. The guy was a bar owner. Really? He was a bar owner. Now, why did he shoot Teddy Roosevelt? Uh, no idea. His quote was, anyone looking to run a third term deserves to be shot. He thought he was his cousin? No, that yeah. was the quote. The bar owner said, anyone running for a third term deserves to be shot. Running for a third term? Teddy Roosevelt what? wanted to run for a third term of president under a new party. Oh, uh, okay. So that's – and he, he did not – All right, because it was before FDR, right, so you was, were still allowed to run for right, a third he, term. Right, he was not president in 1913. He lost that election. I see. Okay. So, so this so guy just already... shot him because he was announcing he that he was going to president... run. He became president because somebody else died. Yeah, I think 1904, right? So McKinley? Was it McKinley that died and right. he became president? So he had most of his term. Right. He had already served two terms. He was 1904 okay. to 1912, and now he was thinking about running again, so this guy shot him. But... All right, so he lost, and then he got a different party, and anybody trying to run for a third term deserves to be shot. And he was a bar owner. But how ironic is it that the guy I'd love to see what the penalty Milwaukee. was. Did that guy get life in prison? Uh, it turns out he was uh, deemed clinically insane. <laughs> So what, was surprise, he home the surprise. next day? Yeah, no, who knows? Oh, man. <laughs> he, 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 he said, hey, who's opening up the bar today? Great know. stuff. Um, this was another interesting thing that I found. Did you know uh, what job three of the first uh, seven men to be president also had in common? All right. It's a political job. Three of the first seven? I think it's, yeah, three of the first seven. Governor? Yes. Okay. Of what? Oh, Governor of Virginia. Yes. Yeah. Can you name them? Okay, Jefferson? Everyone's going to know that one. Madison? Not right. Monroe? That's right. You know who's a pretty good president? Monroe. James Monroe. Do you remember that? There was like a Facebook account. Somebody yeah. created. Not, no, it wasn't Facebook. It was MySpace. That's how old it was. Yeah, I remember that. And the dude just created this account, and it was the James Monroe MySpace page, and all he would do all day long is tag people and say, you know who was a pretty good president? James Monroe. <laughs> It was like one of the – it went on for years. All right, so let me finish this off. Yeah, I can't believe Madison wasn't right. Yep. All right, so – I think that's where everyone's going to go. What did you say, three of the first what? I think seven. I have to make sure this guy's in there. All right. So I don't think Washington was the governor of Virginia. Nope. Okay. So obviously not Adams. Nope. It's from Massachusetts. Jefferson. We got Monroe. But Madison is wrong. Not Quincy Adams. Nope. So it's number seven. I suppose. Well, all right. So three of the first ten. (laughs) Ah, okay. Yeah, I I was like, "Mm, this guy might be, uh, yeah, three out of the first ten. All right, so nine. And I'm going to give you a hint here. Obviously, I I just changed it from seven to ten for a reason. (laughs) So. Right, it's the tenth president, right? Is that what you're going at? Yep, it's the tenth president. Right, so nine was Harrison, who died in office. He died in 30 days. Who became the president? Oh, man. Is it um, Tyler? John Tyler. Oh, nice get. Nice get, yes. <laughs> <laughs> 1841 to, to 1845. Right. He was also the 10th vice president in 1841, elected to that office on the Whig ticket with William Henry Harrison. So he took over for Harrison when he died in office. 
So Harrison died uh, April in 1841, a month into his administration. You know why? Yeah, he gave uh, a three-day-long speech in the rain yeah. on his inauguration. And got pneumonia and died. So that's probably the reason to uh, to wear the coats out there, kiddos. All right, so that's all I had for you in geography history. What do you have for me? Uh, I've got uh, got something else for you here that falls under the category, I guess. Does the name uh, Jean McCall Basquat mean anything to you? Or Basquet? Basquet. Basquet. It does not. Jean Michael Basquet. Uh, Jean Michael Basquet. All right, well, he now holds several. He now owns several uh, distinctions. Okay. He is the first person to sell a work of art. Created since 1980 okay. to sell for over $100 million. Jeez. So he's an artist? Yes. He's also part of the 27 Club. But, okay. You know, the, the not good 27 Club that we talk about. Oh, when yeah, we talk yes. about musicians that have died at 27. Talented he was a, guys that dropped dead. He was an artist that uh, died at 27. He was uh, born yeah, in 1960. I was going to say, he's probably not alive if he sold for $100 million because those guys oh, are right. rarely ever alive doing it. Yes. That's one he, of the great, you know, pains of being an artist is like you, you have to be dead. Yeah. To, you, you can make hundreds yeah. of millions of dollars, but like you're going to not see any of it. <laughs> it's it's going to be your relatives that make that money. So it's actually here it goes, it's very good to be friends with artists, folks. So now he actually holds another distinction, which is the um, the highest priced American painting ever sold. Hmm. So okay. of all the American artists we've had, he now is the, uh, the is highest price ever. Yeah, with a hundred and ten million dollar work, an untitled work. See, we're trying to culture you up here uh, folks, from nineteen eighty two. But you... I will ask you this: whose record did he break? What Mark, American? Mark Chagall. No, it was actually Andy Warhol. Andy Warhol. There you go. That that should have been right on that uh, on that list. And I looked this up. It was a hundred and five million dollar painting. That was part of his, and I didn't know he had this, a 1963 Death and Disaster series. Very popular. Very popular. It was a 1963 painting of a car accident. Yeah, the 61 uplifting and spiritual set doesn't get a lot of I always think of Andy Warhol as like Marilyn Monroe. Campbell Soup. Campbell Soup. (laughs) Right, now, Death and Dismemberment. Yeah, the one that uh, sold was the Silver Car Crash for $105 million. There's a a great Howard Stern, Andy Warhol story. Did you ever hear it? A great Howard Stern, Andy Warhol? Yep. No. So early in Stern's career, he had a limo waiting outside for him from, like, WNBC or something uh, to take him somewhere. So he's sitting there. Andy Warhol opens the door and hops in the limo, okay? Okay. Looks at him and goes... I was sure somebody fabulous would be in here. What a, <laughs> what, what a disappointment. And got right out and left. It's the only time Stern ever met him, saw him, did anything. And it's like that was his experience with Andy Warhol. Gosh, what the it guy must have been like to be in, Andy Warhol. looked at him and was like, I was sure someone fabulous would be in here. And then just walked in. That's out. a great story. <laughs> Can you imagine? I would, like, destroy my self-esteem. I'd no. be like, no, Andy, wait. I can prove to you. I'm, I'm interesting. So that's uh, – that's uh, definitely a, a good piece of art information there for you. Um, let's shift to entertainment. I got tons of good stuff there. Um, cool. But the uh, I'm going to start you with something interesting. Did you ever did you listen to the Chris Robinson interview? Yeah, like, I did. Yeah, yeah. So it was very, very good stuff. Yeah. Do you know who wrote the Black Crow's biggest hit, Hard to Handle? 
Yeah, well, I think they see. mentioned it during the interview, but it's it's I think it's good trivia all by mm. itself because Hard to Handle was a huge, huge hit early '90s for the Black Crows, but it was right. Not and their then song. I think the Grateful Dead. I mean, I remember the Grateful Dead did it in the '60s. Oh wow, I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, I've heard some live tapes of that in the '60s. So I'll give you a couple interesting facts about this when I when unearthly answer, so to speak. All right, so hmm. I have one guy that's jumping out at me, but okay. I'm not sure if it's right or not. Shoot. Was it Otis Redding? Otis Redding. Yes. He wrote He wrote Hard to Handle. So what was interesting to me is the Black Crows producer, Chris Robinson, mentioned that the Black Crows producer heard that he wanted to do that and said, I want to bring it to the tempo of Run DMC's Walk This Way. And, yeah, how and, about that? And that's what he did. He created Hard to Handle, and really what it is is Otis Redding's song with Walk This Way's beat. It, without a doubt, that song "Hard to Handle" was the first time I ever got a sore neck from headbanging. Yeah, there you go. I yeah, just nice. thought I could do that all all night and not pay the consequence the next day. It's good stuff. Um, so there was a little interesting thing, and a shout out to uh, Chris Robinson Brotherhood will be touring, and uh, he's he's a, a show favorite. I love Chris Robinson, big fan of the Black Rose. We've seen them before. Uh, if you remember that show where God Street Wine opened up uh, for him in Syracuse, New York, a long time ago. Um, I've seen them a bunch of times. Yeah, no, I don't think we've recorded them. We never recorded them on the road, but they were they we were around. Uh, oh no, you know what? We, we did, did record them. We did Voodoo Fest, right? Were Is that they? what it was? Yeah, I mean, I know I, we I have. Th- I think I we did. We I think we them. did record a Black Crow show. That's yeah. right. So uh, interesting stuff there. Um, oh, here's this is very very good. I let me get you this one, and then you can throw a bunch of stuff at me. But okay. you know, I always like these forbalists that talk about the wealthiest performers in their various fields and yeah. trying to figure out you know who is the top of their class. Who do you think the wealthiest stand-up comic in the world is? The wealthiest stand-up comic in the world. The, well, the person that jumps out to me would be Seinfeld because of the, the success of his, the correct answer. his TV show. Okay. Yeah. I, I assume that would jump out a lot of people. I wondered if people would go in the direction of uh, uh, like a uh, – you know, maybe Chris Rock because of the longevity. Maybe a um, uh, who's the other guy? Kevin Hart, who's like well, Kevin Hart now is making the most money. I think right, or you tour. know, or somebody like that. But no, the the answer is Jerry Seinfeld. And it's not even close because he makes an insane amount of residual money from the show, but also his touring. And he he's a pretty aggressive stand up comedian. Is he tour. still touring a lot? Still tours a lot. It's funny, I don't see he, his he gets a lot signs around here in Atlantic City. Does a lot of Vegas stuff, you know, things along those lines. So. Well, I know that they've talked about this uh, forever. How he was one of the last guys that got the deal from the network when he made a show, where he got a ton of back end. Yep. And I don't think they sign those deals anymore. Yeah. I think they now give you more upfront. Yeah, because they don't want to. <laughs> yeah, like him, him and Larry David, I know, made a fortune off of uh, syndication and all from that show. Uh, and I can't wait for Curb Your Enthusiasm to come back as well. I Either mean, there's, oh my one God. of my all-time favorites. So much good stuff there from Larry David. I hope we have uh, Alan Zweibel eventually on the show as a guest because he's not only a, a writer from Curb but uh, has just an incredible history with Larry David. was an original Saturday Night Live writer. Uh, as was Larry David back in the 70s. So, All right, um, let's you know, get him on the podcast. We're, we're, we're working on it, sir. We're working on it. Um, what do you have in entertainment world for me? All right, so I, yesterday I clicked through about 150 photographs from uh, Cannes. They're having their film sure. festival out there. Yeah, Rihanna's there. <laughs> All right. Can you... I've seen 150 photos of Rihanna from Cannes. Well, Rihanna is launching, I think, a, is she launching a clothing line? It's a big surprise. There's something called Rihanna Loves Something Else. Is, is it going to end pronounce? up at Kmart like Adam Levine's line? If she's smart, 
Because yeah. I mean they're make, they're making so much money off of those clothing lines. Like Jessica Simpson, yeah, Kathy Ireland. You know, I think she's the wealthiest model because of her. That's interesting. Kmart clothing line. Uh, I love Kathy Ireland. All right, so uh, what is the big prize at the Cannes Film Festival? What are they all there? The Palm Dior. The Palm Dior. Okay, mm-hmm. can you translate the Palm Dior for me? No idea. The Golden Palm. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. <laughs> That's what they're calling. For. Yeah, that is the like best picture Oscar. I would love to have done a question of uh, so we, in, movies in, that have won soccer, the Palm Dior. In soccer, there's the uh, Ballon Dior, which is the golden ball, right? So oh, you, you could have figured it out. You gave that no effort. But I didn't. I didn't connect it until after that. Now, right. now I've connected the it. Palm the Palm Dior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the best is though in soccer, they created this award on Reddit a couple of years ago to give out for the best dive, which is you know one of these idiots that flops. Uh, so it's like the golden flop, right? But it's called the fall on the floor. Oh, the the floor to rhyme with the Ballon d'Or. Oh, so what is the Ballon d'Or? That's the golden. It's like the golden boot. So it's uh, given, what is it given to? It's given to the uh, highest scorer in international soccer. Okay, uh, so most goals. Most goals. So it's usually Messi or Ronaldo that wins. it. So it doesn't yeah. matter what country or what league you're in. Right, and uh, it's. But I think it's uh, subjugated to uh, UEFA. I think it's a UEFA award, so it's the European leagues. Okay, it's, it's, not, it's not a worldwide thing. I saw your boy Messi won a uh, appeal. Was he was he banned or something? Yeah, so he's in tax court. <laughs> is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, they we weren't going to let him play? He lost, uh, and he's got a 21-month sentence now in jail for tax evasion. But supposedly, in Spanish tax court systems, anything under 24 months gets suspended. So he'll never actually see jail time. Okay, so he can still play. I guess is what. Yeah, the article I saw was no. He's gonna. He's, he's gonna still st- be able to play. Yeah, he'll still play and he'll still earn a fortune of money. So <laughs> you don't have to worry about that. But all right. So you brought this up last week. Um, I think your question was, "What is sort of the opposite of jump the shark?" Sure. Okay. Growing the beard. Growing the beard. Growing the beard. Absolutely. It's something you will get to know very well. So we've touched on jump the shark enough. That I felt like, you know what, maybe let me look into this a little bit. So here's one for you. Okay. In what body of water was Fonzie when he jumped the shark? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. What body of water was the Fonzie? It's definitely, man, I've seen this, um, I've seen this scene before, and I feel like there's like a pier and an ocean type thing. So. But I also, for some reason, SeaWorld is like the first thing that comes in my mind. I don't know why, but I'm going to go with like the Atlantic Ocean. Okay. So I got you on this. Okay. He was in the Pacific Ocean. Oh, the Pacific Ocean. Okay. So, of course, the show is from Milwaukee. Right. So how did they end up in the Pacific Ocean? Was it you know, the road trip episode of... Uh... This, is, this is great. So there was a, a producer, a Hollywood producer who's in Milwaukee driving through. Okay. And his car breaks down. <laughs> so he goes to Fonz's shop. Of course. To get his uh, car repaired. That's a good question, too. What does Fonz do for a living? He's a mechanic. Yeah, but I don't think a lot of people know that. No? Well, like Hot Rod Magazine and all. When I think of the Fonz, one of the first things I think of is he's a mechanic. So anyway, he's in there. He's fixing the guy's car. And the guy's like, man, I love your look. Man, I'm going to take you back to Hollywood. We're going to make a James Dean out of you, like the next James Dean. So they, they do a couple of shots with him and, like, Richie Cunningham's in the background. And as it turns out, they fall in love with Richie and his, like, oh, shucks yeah. sort of attitude. So they bring Richie to Hollywood for a three-part, uh, you know, 
Hollywood part one, two, three, and you know the whole gang goes to Hollywood, and that's where the reason Fonz ends up jumping the shark is because he, he's like he's water skiing to pass the time while Richie's you know trying to become a star, and there's some some character they call him the California Kid, and he's like talking trash to Fonzie and dares him to jump, jump the, the shark. shark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he jumped the shark in the Pacific Ocean, and I thought that was something that very few people knew because oh, yeah. I, I certainly didn't know it. I mean, I think most people know where that show is done and yeah, it's like Milwaukee. you know right. it's, you're like is it on a great guess, lake like, Michigan right yeah. yeah you could you could easily said something along those lines and I wouldn't have known any better um all right what else you got back to our history in the uh festival world mm-hmm. uh did you see what rappers music festival is being investigated by the FBI no but that's interesting so Ja Rule okay through a music him. festival I know him and it's uh, it was absolute disaster. People are suing. Was this like, the Fire Fest or yeah, something? Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. Yeah. I heard. I heard a lot about this. But I, I, don't I think really there's know seven the lawsuits against them, and <laughs> one is for like a hundred million dollars. Oh, that's good. So yeah, that's what you oh, want to wake like up a total to. Total disaster. The Fire Fest and Ja Rule. I mean, is he even relevant anymore? Would people be going to see a festival with? Well, him you know what happened run? was I think like the Kendall Jenners of the world. Uh, right. Bella Hadid. First of all, how do you feel for Gigi Hadid? She finally makes it as a model. And the girl's only, what, 19, 20? Right. And then her sister is, like, now the most famous Oops. model. Like, like a half an hour later. Sorry. People even know. Yeah. I think Kate Middleton knows how that is, actually. I think she can relate. <laughs> like, she she can wasn't relate even married yet, and yeah. everybody wanted to see her sister. Hey, what's up? What's Pip up to? Yeah, but the Kendall Jenners, the Bella Hadids, I think they were all going to this event, and it got a lot of publicity, and a sure. ton of people ended up, but they were going to go, and they couldn't handle them. Um, I did see this, too. Now, you might remember that uh, Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway gave away the Best Picture Award mm-hmm. this year. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. Because famously, Faye Dunaway read the wrong Read the wrong name. Read the wrong name. Right. So the cast of La La Land all you, went up there you, to you celebrate. You only had one job. And when they handed him the card, right, the like, card said. I think it was like Price Waterhouse Coopers or somebody that was uh, the firm there is the one that's getting blamed for mishandling that or not handling these situations the correct way. Yeah, they had to come out and make it a, make a public apology. But yep. Yeah, when, uh, when uh, they were up there together, there was a reason why Faye Dunaway and Warren Beatty okay. were together for that. Because they starred together in a 1967 movie, so okay. this is the the 40th or the 50, sorry the 50th anniversary of that movie. Wow, right. it's been 50 years, hard to believe. All right, so what uh, film? I'm terrible with old films, so I don't have a prayer. I can't. I couldn't even name, you know, outside of like uh, <laughs> the the Warren Beatty movies. I could name are absurd, <laughs> so this is not one of them. All right, well, they played a real uh, real famous couple. Oh, Bonnie and Clyde. Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, there you go. They were Faye Bonnie Dunaway. and Clyde right. in yeah, 1967. Yeah. I should have given that a little bit more thought with uh, with Faye Dunaway. Yeah, and, you got uh, there. I mean. Yeah, yeah, yep. Famous famous duo. But, yeah, that's right. He's he's known for that. So, all right. That's interesting. Very interesting stuff. So, uh, any final thoughts? I, I don't have anything else to uh, to get to, so I'll let you start with your final thoughts. And then, oh, uh, it's Memorial Day weekend down here at the shore. So, get the smoker going. Get your Barbecue boats in the water. Time. Absolutely. Get your sunblock and get on the beach, everybody. All right, and turn on the Quizzo podcast. All right, for Nick, I'm Drew. Uh, thank you very much for listening. We'll be back with you next week. Happy Memorial Day, everybody. This has been the Quizzo Trivia Podcast. Visit us online at quizzopodcast.com for more information. Stay on this phone and don't hang out for me. I can. I have plenty of energy to drive over there. 
Let's have fun. 